Welcome to the Critical Conversations podcast, hosted by two critical care nurses who are doing things differently. We're here to discuss our healthcare system, why preventative health is so important to us, and what you can do about it. What if I told you, you had the power to change the trajectory of your life? Would you do it? Hey guys, welcome back. This is Laura. This is Bree. And we are doing podcast number 10 on Critical Conversations. Today we are going to talk about sugar because it has become a big topic of conversation in media, on Instagram, kind of everywhere, and it has gotten a bad rap and we want to kind of discuss why it's been getting a bad rap and what you can do to make yourself more informed so you can make decisions for yourself and not be scared of it and be empowered by our information that we can give you. So the World Health Organization is stating that women can have a max of 25 grams of added sugar and men can have a max of 30 grams of sugar per day. Currently, the average sugar consumption is actually three times that amount per gender. So 75 grams for women and 90 grams for men. That's crazy. This is a huge deal. That's huge. We figured we'd, we'd just kick it off with that fact because it was pretty. it's a pretty powerful fact. It's actually becoming a big deal and lending a huge hand within our own uh, health crisis in this country. Yeah, so. absolutely. And we see it every day with the patients that we're taking care of in the hospital and at the bedside that are chronically ill from diseases caused by sugar consumption long-term. So if you are constantly consuming that extreme amount that you just mentioned three to four times more than the recommended amount on a daily basis, every day for 365 days a year for multiple years, that's a lot of stress on the body and eventually chronic diseases develop in response to not being able to like kind of handle and compensate and filter it out because it's just chronic exposure causing long-term effects. But yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before in the first few episodes that their diabetes, obesity, those things are on rise, but a lot of people don't realize that increased sugar consumption can be related to a multitude of other diseases from dementia and Alzheimer's and old age to high blood pressure and heart disease. It's all correlated and sugar is a big culprit in almost all of it. Um, it's really interesting because as we have previously previously, guys, my, my word finding <laughs> English is, is hard so for poor. you today. It's hard for me today. It's hard <laughs> for me most days, but today in particular, but as we've mentioned before, foods actually really only significantly changed in the past hundred years. And actually, Brie gave me some information that I kind of, I was aware of, but I couldn't remember the year um, before we started this about what year we started doing the back of the packages and adding caloric and the breakdown of nutritional labels. And I believe, as she mentioned, it was like 1980s, that right? Yeah, everything started in the 80s. That's when the federal dietary guidelines were first released. And I think within that decade, that's when they started first putting calorie breakdowns on packages. The ingredient label didn't come right away. That came afterwards. Okay. But with the dietary guidelines, they then realized that people couldn't keep track of things unless they were labeled on the foods that they were eating. So they began labeling foods not even 40 years ago, which is so crazy to think about. <laughs> It's, it's really interesting, especially since I think half of my life, everyone's been so obsessed with food labels. 
um, and marketing firms are completely built around food labels yeah, and how to package things to make everything look a certain way, right. even if it's not correct. And trying to distract you from actually yeah. looking at the label by using the front of the package to say heart healthy, no added sugars or low fat or... They'll use the front of the package with big claims, hoping you won't turn it around to look at the more f- the fine print. Also, of note, because you just said that, and I was never anticipating saying this on this podcast, but <laughs> if it does have a big claim on the product, freaking turn it around. Yeah, absolutely. Because if it's selling itself, there's something wrong. Right. You, it should be a red flag to you. If it's promoting itself that strongly, go check it. Yeah. And even labels like the American Heart Association, like Heart Healthy Check, that was a big deal like a decade or two ago, it was putting itself on low-fat foods because fat was such the the culprit of heart disease. And now you'll notice as you start to turn things around, you'll see that American Heart Association Heart Healthy Check, but it's on packages full of loaded sugar because it wasn't part of the policy at the time it was created. So I think that's really interesting now that we know more about sugar. You also need to, like Laura said, be a little bit more cautious when you see those labels on the front trying to convince you to buy the product. Right. I'm sitting here, guys, and I'm I'm looking up some things because I, when I started learning about sugar, obviously I've always known about sugar. Everyone's kind of known about sugar, but when you actually understand sugar and you're understanding that it's everywhere, I don't think I ever really knew that until I want to say two years ago. Yeah, I started really diving into it and trying to. It was when I started learning about the microbiome and how your microbiome actually gets affected significantly by sugar and what does that mean and so I kind of dove full force into not only the microbiome but everything that affects it and sugar was one of those things when I'm talking about sugar right now I am talking about added sugar added things to food and we will discuss the difference between yeah. added and and organic not organic you're but talking like organically of, found you're talking about like processed packaged foods like yeah well mostly um even baked goods at home I was thinking about how sugar from a table and things like that were added to our food. But when I started learning about it, what I found was that in our grocery stores, the packaged food, 80% of packaged foods have added sugar. That's insane. That is insane. I mean, why would you ever need to add sugar to mayo? Because or it tastes it, good. It's 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 absurd <laughs> and it's irresponsible. So it, it was really mind-opening and made me start – really digging into what we were eating. It was when I was reading everything. I was reading every label and I was trying to figure it out. And I I felt angry about it because it felt very irresponsible, especially in light of studies that were coming out and had come out. And it, it felt very manipulated and I was angry about it. So the average, the average person is consuming three times the amount of the recommended by the World Health Organization um, the World Health Organization tried to make this claim, I think, I don't want to say the year, it was in the past 100 years of, I think it was actually in the past 50 years, of women should eat a max of 25 added grams and men should eat a max of 30 added grams. The United States wouldn't allow it to go through as a recommendation because of the money involved in the politics, which is super, super shady. Like, yeah, there's always money involved, guys, Super shady. especially with our food system. There's always a profit to be made behind it. When I started 
reading into that and kind of understanding when, when I say the average is 75 grams for women and 90 grams for women. So that's the average. That means that 50% of people are eating more than that. And that average is averaged out on a daily basis. So right. that's not to say that some days when you indulge in cakes and cookies for an event of some sort, of course your daily intake is going to be more. And that is fine. We are all human. We all do that. But the fact that that is an average number, that shows that some people are eating way more than other people. And like some people, that number might even be two to three times higher. The way the research is done, it's very, you know, it's hard to say exactly where we stand because it might skew that some people are eating 300 grams of sugar in a day and some people might be sitting at the 20 gram mark. But we want to bring the awareness back to you and kind of educate you on how to how to see that and how to how to discover that. Right. And so I was mentioning to Brie, when I first started learning about this, I kind of did, and some of you out there listening to this might remember this, when I was educating on my Instagram platform about it, I decided to go and try to do an entire week being mindful of only using that 25 grams. So I was looking at it as like money, like how was I going to spend my 25 grams of added <laughs> sugar a day I and what that. could I get? I, yeah. I was like, what can I get for 25 grams? And <laughs> At this point, I had really cleaned up my diet. I was really focused in on eating much healthier. And so I grabbed a Siggy's. Nothing wrong with any of the companies I am talking about. They just do have added sugar. And so I, I grabbed a, a Siggy's and it had 10 grams of sugar. And that's yogurt for people that don't know what Siggy's is. That's a, Sorry, a cup of you. yogurt. It was a vanilla. So it was 10 grams of cane sugar. This is actually before I found out that I had a problem with cane sugar personally and couldn't have it. So I was eating this Siggy's. And it was being promoted as this like really good yogurt brand. Don't they even think... actually advertise on their label that they have less sugar than they competing do. brands? They, they have significantly less sugar. Right. So I was like, well, dang, I'm doing really good. This is this is great. So I grabbed that. And then one day I grabbed, I, I actually had to grab that and a perfect bar for breakfast because I was like running behind. I was running late to work. Grabbed the perfect bar. Perfect bar, another good brand. Mm -hmm. Their sugar comes from honey, which I think honey is probably the best source, yeah. in my opinion, I of agree sugar. with that, for sure. And it had 18 grams of sugar. In one bar. In one bar. So do the combination. You guys can do the math. I had overspent my 25 grams by three. Just with one meal, one snack. Yeah. Right off the bat. So you're at 28 gone. grams and you have no more grams to spend for the day. <laughs> Right. But it's it's super easy. And when I started becoming aware of the fact that it was super easy while eating what I thought was healthy. And they are healthier me, brands. Yeah, and they are. I'm not I'm not saying that they aren't, but when I started becoming aware of that and becoming mindful of the added sugar, I realized it was added in a lot of things. And and my husband go out and he knew that I, had, I was having this thing with sugar. And I was like, you need to read the back of every label. Stop picking <laughs> out things that have high sugar. And he'd read like the back of a hot sauce. And he'd be like, I don't understand why the third ingredient is sugar. And then he'd read the back of another thing. He's like, I don't get why yeah. mustard. He couldn't find mustard in the grocery store that didn't have sugar at it. Right. And like almost every store-bought salad dressing is going to have added sugar in it. And if you're eating at a restaurant, I can guarantee you. It has added sugar in it. And these are things that we have developed over time because of the low-fat trend that started back in 1980 when they released the low-fat dietary guidelines. They then had to replace those calories with something, and they replaced well, them they with sugar. To, 
We have to make it taste good. And we've like, become it's tolerant. It's going to taste disgusting if you just take out all of the healthy fats right, from everything. Right, of course. Right. So they had to replace it with something. They replaced it with sugar. And that was almost 40 years ago when they started shifting the way the food was made and the ratios within the packaged foods that we're eating. But then over time, we've also become tolerant and we've craved more sweetness. And it has literally become added into, like you said earlier, 80% of the products we're eating. So I think... The whole goal of this podcast is we want you not to make you afraid of food because no. it's it's in our surrounding, it's in our environment, it's in all of our houses. But what we want you to do is become empowered and understanding the amount of sugar that's in the food that you're eating so that you pick and choose which one you're going to eat that day. Like Laura said, the Perfect Bar and the Siggies, they were both individually less than 25 grams of added sugar. So maybe eat one one day the other one the next day and you became aware that eating them together was a pretty big load of sugar on your body all at once. Yeah, it's actually very taxing. And what we haven't discussed is the why really behind why are we, besides the fact that the microbiome is kind of disturbed and you guys know that we love the microbiome, but (laughs) it's actually promoting a lot of chronic illnesses. It causes our bodies to be in an inflammation. Absolutely. um, In a place of inflammation, in a place that actually is, is, basically like a great breeding ground for things to go wrong. Our body cannot function properly with the amount of sugar that we're putting in it. Um, It causes a cascade of events. It's causing fatty liver used to only be happening to people who are alcoholics. Right. Um, People who over drank, over consumed alcohol. That was when you had liver disease, everyone was like, oh, they, they were an alcoholic. They they drank too much. That is not, that is, I don't even I don't know. I want to say it's not the leading cause. I don't know what the leading cause is. I'll no, it is. Up. I read that recently. It oh, you says did? that high sugar consumption is now considered it's now, non-alcoholic it's fatty liver disease is has taken over. Has taken okay. over past cirro- cirro- cirrhosis. There's the word of the, liver, yeah. of the liver from alcoholism, and it's due so to huge... the taxing effects of sugar on the liver because your liver actually is responsible for digesting fructose. Right, and that's a huge deal, guys. That's that's I don't I know that a lot of you guys are not medical out there, but this is a giant heads up. Yeah, like, this is huge because this is this is seeing what has happened with our food and what's causing it, what it's causing in our body. It's not just causing obesity. I know that I talk about obesity a lot, and it's not because I have anything again. It has nothing to do with body shape or body shaming. It has to do with the fact that like the long term effects. It actually de- it increases your mortality. Right. It causes comorbidities, meaning like several different things to go wrong that increase your mortality, meaning that you won't live as long. Increases increases your chance of death. Right. It's. We're finding fatty liver in children. Yeah. I just last week had a patient in the ER that I was triaging, and on his medical history, he was a child. It said non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. He was overweight, and he had been raised on a very high-sugar diet. I took care of a patient today on that. Yeah. And a lot of people think that if they go to their doctor and they're overweight, and they have their blood work checked, and their blood sugar is quote-unquote normal, whether or not it's at the high range of normal. That's another discussion. Um, but if it falls within normal range, they think what they're doing is fine, and that if they're not diabetic, the sugar they're eating isn't hurting them. 
But like I said earlier, there's so many other diseases correlated and you can eat a high sugar diet and be lucky not to develop diabetes, but it doesn't mean that it's not causing other problems within you. And like you said, with the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, a lot of people can have liver issues that are developing for a while that don't show up on blood work until it's kind of too late. The liver will compensate for itself for a while until it can't anymore. Just like um, a bucket that fills up or... I mean, you can fill something up, fill something up, fill something up until you get to the brim and then all of a sudden it starts overflowing. Right. You're like, what's the problem now? Yeah. Why isn't it holding the water? Because it has been the whole time and now it's overflowing. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Yet again, um, Laura comes in with another analogy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I was trying to explain that to somebody the other day because there's this all this talk about like detoxing and stuff. And I and I think that my perception of of health and wellness now is more of what are we pushing our bodies to before it's going to tell us to stop? Yeah. I mean, it's going to whisper before it shouts. And what do we, what are we going to have to do to make it shout? It's, it's, I'm going to do another analogy, but it's like (laughs) if you were standing on someone's toe and you're just kind of like softly stepping and then all of a sudden you stomp on it because you didn't know. And that person was like, ow, ow, ow. And then they're like, ow. I mean, it's the same kind of thing, but your body's like, you're pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And then it breaks down. You're like, why did it break down? I don't know. This is the whole reason for prevention. This is the whole reason for this information. And it's it's really supposed to be setting you free. So you, what we want you to do is understand this and then make the best decisions. And sometimes it's going to look different than other days. But what I wanted to mention when I was saying earlier that I was looking something up and I never actually told you what I was looking up is that... When I started having this conversation, I started just taking screenshots of common drinks ordered at Starbucks. <laughs> and it's insane. It's, disgusting. it's absurd. Because it's just, just to think about it. I mean, there's a time and place again, special events, special days. Right. And we have to enjoy fine. life. Absolutely. But in one grande latte, I'm just trying to think of like a very general. Thing. So one grande vanilla latte. With a pump of vanilla syrup. With the normal amount, like the normal how it's made is 35 grams of sugar. And that's just a drink. That's not saying you're not getting anything else for breakfast with it. or A, a ha- pastry. That's if, you, or... that's if you eat no other added sugar in that day. You just got 35 grams straight up. In one drink. In that cup. And people often forget what they're drinking is adding to their... Um, added sugar consumption. Yeah. It's very easy to forget because you're not actually chewing it and you don't think of it as food. That's a great point. Liquid calories are a huge part of the modern American diet and a lot of people look past it because it's just a drink, a soda with the lunch that you're having. More people are concerned about the calories and the chicken breast or the food that they're eating than they are what they're drinking. And those can actually be more detrimental because they're going straight into your digestive system without anything else to help you absorb. Speaking of that... So, Brie, just enlighten us on the difference between, like, an apple juice because people – there's a big juicing trend. Um, Speak to juice versus, like, smoothie or a whole fruit. We were talking about this before we started recording because when you start talking about sugar, it can get – scary. It can make people start to feel like they can't eat anything. And we don't want that to be the conversation. We want to get back to real unprocessed foods as much as possible. If you're eating something with a package, we want you to look at the label. And if you're getting any sort of juice, it usually comes in a bottle with a label and you can see the amount of sugar in it. And most people don't pour 
the typical serving size of an eight ounce cup either. They pour twice that at least because our, our American cups are much bigger. Um, but if you're going to go for an apple juice, you're better off going for the whole apple because you're getting the fiber as along with the sugar from the apple. But when you're eating fiber and chewing your food and eating it slower, it takes you a whole lot longer to eat an apple than it does to drink one glass of juice. So it absorbs more slowly in your body. And with that fiber, you're digesting it slower and you're able to process the sugars differently versus just a straight drink of pure fructose with no other added anything and you're not really getting the From what's the, the word stuff. yeah well, just no, the benefit right. of the whole food versus just right. drinking the, juice the fiber slows down the sugar absorption yeah so if your body's trying to work and like break down an apple piece that's in your stomach mm-hmm. like the whole piece it's going to get some of the glucose and it's going to get the fiber and it's going to get the nutrients from the nutrient-rich skin which you should eat if possible but you don't have to um, definitely wash it beforehand, but yeah. that's, that's the whole point so is that's that you're like, getting yeah. the whole benefit of that item, whether it's an apple or berries or whatever it is, even, I mean, unless you're just drinking that vegetable juice, which very few people do, if you're going to a juice place and spending $8 on juice, be mindful that frequently, even at those healthy places, they put a lot more fruit in than they do vegetable yeah because it tastes better it does and we live in a sugar addicted world yeah where everything if you if you think about it just think about it right now if you go to a gas station you're on a road trip you're going to the airport you're going you're doing anything the easiest thing to put your hands on to eat or drink has a ton of sugar in it yeah it's pro like processed <laughs> it's processed crap okay it's they're it in the hospital is. in the hospitals at night if you're working night shift and you work in a hospital that doesn't have the cafeteria open, you are going to have to go and go to a vending machine and you won't find something that isn't going to give you a huge like hit of sugar. Right. And that goes um, back to drinking the glass of juice versus eating the apple. It's just an easy comparison, but you can use this for almost anything. If you drink that glass of juice, it'll satisfy you briefly. You'll get energy from it. You'll digest the sugars quickly and then you will crash. There's no added benefit to constantly going up and down on that sugar spike. You're just constantly going to have mood swings, hunger cravings, and a whole lot of inner issues that you don't even realize are going on in your body when that insulin is going up and down trying to process the things that you're eating. When you eat the whole real food, you process it slower, you get more stable energy, and I think The whole point of this conversation is we, as always, want to get you back to eating real food. If you're eating an apple or a salad or things that don't come with processed packaged food labels, you're already better off. I just looked up for the fun of it how many apples it takes to make an eight ounces of apple cider. (laughs) And it's six. That is a fun fact. And just think about that because the amount of sugar that's found in an apple... Is, is pretty significant, but it's it, when you eat it as a whole, you're probably not going to eat six apples. Right. And you can it's drink It's nearly eat, impossible to eat six apples. If, I think I'd feel really sick if I ate six <laughs> apples. But if you, ate, if you ate six apples, it would take you a really long time and you probably wouldn't finish. Right. To drink eight ounces of apple juice or apple cider 
you could probably do in 30 seconds. I mean, yeah, just absolutely depending on how thirsty you were, but it's going to be really easy to, and you're not going to have all the fiber and other benefits in there, keeping it from your blood stream. So it's just going to pump you up real quick, tons of sugar without the benefits. Right. And it will feed your microbiome differently too, versus eating an apple with fiber that can slowly digest. It feeds different different bacteria in your gut in your digestive system eat different sugars and when you're doing quick loads of sugar that aren't associated with fiber they're usually going to be feeding the bad bacteria and continuing to throw that microbiome balance off track so that's why it's important to be mindful of the amount of sugar you're eating because if you're constantly doing that overload you're going to continue to crave more sugar each day And stepping away from the amount of sugar you're eating sometimes is shocking and hard. And you will actually go through withdrawals if you truly are eating way more than you should be and you suddenly become aware of it. You will go through withdrawals because it's truly an addicting substance. There's there's plenty of studies on it. Just becoming more mindful and cutting things back, you might realize intense food cravings and headaches and fatigue if you're not giving your body that sugar surge that it's used to. So it's it's really interesting, but we highly recommend just looking into it more, doing research on it, talking to your doctor about it, especially if you're on medications for anything, or especially if you're diabetic, you need to be aware of what shifting your diet could do to you. But if you're pretty healthy and you don't have any underlying health conditions, it's something to toy around with and just become more mindful of and see if you feel better after doing it for a little while. You're not going to feel better right away, but like maybe a week into it, you'll actually start to feel better and you'll feel like sugar doesn't have as much of a grasp on you, would you say? Seven to 10 days? Yeah. You know what what helped me a lot when I decided I was going to step away from it, just intentionally step away, step back from it, was increasing the amount of healthy fat I was eating. Yes. That's a good point. It cut, it cut my sugar cravings tremendously. Like I wasn't needing them at all, but I've to be fair to everyone out there, I've never been a big sugar person, so I may not be the greatest person to ask, but there's definitely um, enough research and protocols and different things if you want to do that. But I think just becoming more mindful of it will help you make better decisions, and then you don't actually have to crack down on yourself so much, but you can kind of decide what you want to do with it. Yeah. What we need to discuss, I think, Before you get away from it, I think you made a really good point. If you're going to start pulling something out of your diet, like in this case sugar, be mindful of what you are replacing those calories with. We do not want you by any means to become calorie deficient because your favorite foods are all loaded with sugar and you take those away and you feel like you have nothing left to eat. That's not what we're getting at. We want you to replenish it with whole real foods that are better for you and just find balance in that. And it, it takes time. You're not going to do it overnight. I think learning all this information, if you're on the like the newer end of it and you're just like every podcast, you're like, holy crap. Right. It can be so my overwhelming. Life is in, my life is in shambles. <laughs> Take a step back. Zoom out. The only thing has changed. Every podcast is new information. Right. Literally nothing else in your whole life has changed except for you know something now that's always been the case. You just didn't know yeah, it before. You're becoming aware. And we have been there. We know what that feels like. We have been in those shoes. We remember feeling overwhelmed. And sometimes we still learn things that we're like, oh my gosh, I've been doing it wrong. I need to become like, I, there's always something new to learn and just right. use that to your advantage to just slowly create change in your life. 
So what I would say besides now you know the numbers to look at, now you know to read, what I would say is that there's never a reason to be eating corn syrup um, to look at the quality of ingredients because just like oils or anything else that we've talked about, there's better qualities right. and there's quality of sugar and there's worse quality right. of sugar. And there's some things I will will not partake in, especially if I know it's there. Sometimes I'm sure I've had it and I just didn't know it. For instance, simple little switch is that when I make margaritas, I make it, I have it with, I make my own honey simple syrup instead now. So things that you can like switch in because I still like to have a margarita. Surprise, and you surprise, also guys. do that because you found out you're sensitive to cane sugar specifically yeah. in most syrups. But like, what I'm sugar. saying is like is find things that you want and still enjoy them, but do them in a way that have a better sugar. So if sugar is that I would say an absolute no to. Oh my god, the list is pretty it's long. It's incredibly long. So why don't we talk about the sugars that are <laughs> it's easier to discuss the sugars that are better for you and higher in nutrients than to even list the sugars that yeah like going back to the real food real sweeteners that you recognize sweeteners that have been around forever versus chemically processed sweeteners like high fructose corn syrup and different chemical sweeteners that have been created in labs those are the things you absolutely should be avoiding no matter how much of it is in your food you should try and avoid them at all costs but the things you're trying to mention are like honey and maple syrup and things that come from true sources, real sources in nature. Coconut sugar is a better option. It's still a sugar, but coconut sugar is a better option than just pure processed cane sugar. Right. And there's actually, I just found maple syrup sugar that they've like just crystallized. Like dehydrated um, the syrup. Yeah. And that is a good one too. Maple syrup has a, a good amount. I'm not talking about pancake syrup, guys. I'm talking about like grade A maple syrup it has a lot of nutrients in it. I'm not saying go drink some maple syrup. You can <laughs> but still use it. But there is benefit to it if it's there's benefits to it, and it's better. It's a better natural sugar if you're going to add it to like cookies or something. There's plenty of recipes and things like that um, than using cane sugar, especially white processed sugar is not is should be avoided right if possible or limited so i think we're we're getting kind of close to the end of this podcast and i want to start wrapping it up just because some people are probably extremely overwhelmed but i do want to mention and we can dive into this with the next episode if you think we need to go more into it but the one thing i see a lot of people do when they start becoming aware of the sugar in their food they say oh this soda has such and such amount of sugar or this sweetened coffee drink has so much sugar i'm going to do this better by drinking diet soda or i'm going to drink <laughs> do this better by adding splenda to my coffee instead of a pack of cane sugar and those are the swaps that i know i personally do not think are safe for anybody i think the true way to do it is become aware of the sugar you're eating start to eat less of it don't swap it out for something else because you're just going to create an addiction on the chemical sweetener side of things. And that's a whole nother issue for a whole nother list of reasons. But just to decrease the sugar you're using so that you decrease your cravings and that you need less of it actually over time. Do you agree with that? Do you think I feel like I kind of confused myself on that? 
<laughs> I don't feel like it was totally No, clear. I don't think that – I think that that's an entire other conversation because it's so – it can go so deep. What I would say is that fake sugar actually has been found to stimulate your body in such a way that it thinks it's real sugar. And so you sometimes still have the same kind of um, – cascade of events that happen with real sugar and it can actually Um, increase cravings even more because you're not getting calories with it right it can increase cravings it's it's toxic um in a lot of ways many of them are toxic to the liver some of them cause brain issues we can go more into depth later with it but basically it's not a safe alternative what i would suggest is making if you oh my gosh isn't it buddy the elf and that (laughs) says like (laughs) sugar or syrup in your coffee or whatever like if you want to throw some like maple syrup in your coffee like buddy the elf or try some honey instead don't don't be like buddy the elf (laughs) no why not because maple syrup in your honey i mean in in your your coffee coffee? oh i mean as far as his sugar addictions because he solely survives on sugar but i thought that was hilarious (laughs) when he did that because i was like i tried that one time i didn't love it but what I found that was easiest for me when I was switching in my coffee, especially morning routines can be really hard for people to take a look at and switch mm-hmm. around. Absolutely. Um, was honey. Honey was like the easiest swap for me. And yeah, I think you just, you become aware, understand, dig in, learn more, and then decide how you want to apply the information into your own life. Yeah. Do not become overwhelmed by it, but become intrigued by it. Right. Just dip your dip your big toe in and see how it is. Just see how it is. Just if you don't change anything, if you change nothing, just read what you're eating. Yeah. I guarantee you that that will inspire change in and of itself. Yeah. I I personally don't typically look at the ingredient or the actual like calorie breakdown label as much as I look at ingredients. But when it right. comes to sugars, if I see sugar in the ingredient list, I always look up and see how much sugar how it actually grams. is. Yeah. I think of that's note. a good thing because I don't really necessarily care about the calories and the fat and things like that if I know what I'm eating is real whole right. foods or at right. least for the most part a better option. But if you see sugar in any shape or form listed in that label, you should be aware of how much is in it because that list of ingredients doesn't give you a qualifying number of how much they put into it. Agreed. And I'm going to piggyback on that real quick. I know that you're trying to, we're trying to wrap up. <laughs> Just to be really clear, this is the first year ever since nutrition facts were put onto labels oh, yeah. that they're starting to include where it says added sugar. Yeah. Okay, for the first time ever, there was a big political debacle about this because if you look, some nutrition facts still haven't done it. Right. I'm actually looking at GT's, I'm drinking kombucha right now. It just says sugars, blank amount of grams. Right. Okay. It needs to start saying uh, added sugar and it has never done that. So no one's ever even understood the United States actually still hasn't said that 25 grams is the max for women and 30 grams is the max for men. They still haven't put a stamp on that. And I think that they actually have higher, what they're going by is a higher number than the World Health Organization recommends. Right. But it's re- it's an interesting fact to think about. If you look at the daily values, everything else has a daily value, but not sugar. Mm-hmm. So they've gotten a free pass this whole time. It truly has. And, it, and that's how the companies have gotten away with putting such significant amounts in it. Like back right. to Starbucks when they created their 
fun unicorn frappuccino last year, I think there was something along the lines of like 78 grams of sugar in one drink. So because there's no true baseline for that, it's just been kind of a free for all and you put it in there until it tastes good and people enjoy it when it tastes good. But if you're eating it every day, long-term, it adds up. We want you to think for yourselves. We want you to be able to think for yourselves to understand sugar, to understand that we are not demonizing sugar, but we are going to look it straight in the face and call it what it is. Open up your kitchen cupboards and just start turning things around and looking at the amounts that are in the food that you're eating and just start from there. Yeah. And there'll be plenty of people making plenty of noise on Instagram being like, don't demonize a certain food. Don't like if somebody wants a frappuccino that has 90 grams of sugar in it, it's totally cool. And you got to make that decision for yourself. I think if, yeah, it's all about knowing what it's doing to you. And if you're educated on that and you're okay with that, that's fine. But I think some people just truly aren't aware of the long-term effects of it either. Yeah. And that's where I want the whole YOLO thing to come to a screeching halt because people are going off of, well, we can eat whatever we want, food freedom. And while I want you to have the freedom to choose, I want you to have the information first. Yeah. And here's the thing is you and I, we have seen the long-term effects. And it's so easy to say, oh, drinking this once a day isn't killing me. It won't kill me. And neither does smoking one cigarette a day. It doesn't kill you right away. And I think that's where the biggest confusion lies because in the moment, it tastes delicious. You feel good about it. You're enjoying things. But knowing that you're making that decision day in, day out, again and again, over time, it's building up and your body is suffering. It's wear and tear. We see the long-term effects of it. And yeah. ugh, if we could show you pictures I've and truly tell you what we've seen. The short-term effects. Yeah. Like, I just took a, care of a 300-pound 14-year-old today. Oh, my gosh. That breaks my heart. And they were getting ready to leave post-operatively and go get... 7-Eleven, like the big gulp version of a Slurpee because that's all he wanted. Right. Because he gets a Slurpee every day and that's what he has. Every single day he has a Slurpee. And at this point he's addicted. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong specifically with the Slurpee. I'm saying... No, but there is. (laughs) No, but what I'm saying is that just like a unicorn frappuccino, just like anything else, just like if you're going to have it once in a while, I actually don't take... Personally, I don't take any soup with that. If that's your thing, but you need to understand... If you're doing something every day, you can't be like, I'm going to treat myself today. I'm going to treat myself today. I'm going to treat myself today. It adds up. It's taking a toll on your body. Absolutely. And you would never even treat your car like this. Like you would never put your foot on the gas and make it go from zero to a hundred every single time you went to a red light and started again. (laughs) You would never do that ever. You take better care of your car than you take care of your body. Like, that's what we're doing when we're putting sugar in your body. And then you're like, hey, pancreas, respond to this real quick. Heads up. And it's like throwing yeah. a ball at face. <laughs> we, you, no one would ever act like that. And we do it to ourselves because YOLO. Yeah. You know? So, yes, YOLO. But sometimes it, that, that's going to take a very different meaning than you want it to. Right. So, and that is totally fine every now and then. But if you're saying that to yourself every day, you need to look at that and just truly understand what that means long term. And right. just acknowledge it and see what you can do to shift that and shift that mindset and understand that we can age in two different ways. And we have seen it. There are healthy, young, active, strong, thriving 90-year-olds 
And then there's 60 year olds that are miserable on loads of medications that can't get out of bed. We see both ends of the spectrum. And when we see those people that are thriving, they always have the same answer. They stayed active, they ate real food, and they enjoyed their life. Positivity is part of it, enjoying their life and enjoying the moments, but also being mindful of how they took care of their body in the long term. Exactly. All right, well, next time we will talk about other parts of sugar and all those things that aren't sugar, but we pretend they are. So <laughs> yes, this is a wrap. Yeah. Hope you guys have a good week and we will see you for episode number yeah. 11. All right, guys, keep sending us your questions. We love them. Um, direct message us on Instagram or email us. We love hearing from you and we take the, the advice you're giving us for inspiration for next episodes as well. So keep that coming. We truly appreciate you for listening. Uh, you can check out all the show notes and links and resources and everything we recommend on our website, www.criticalconversationspodcast.com. And we will see you next week for episode 11. Thanks.